This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Washington's one of the only cities where you care when a team signs a kicker to the practice squad. I really. This fan base cares so much about every little detail around everything about this team. I mean, conversations about backup guard. It just it doesn't matter. If it's the Washington football team, it's catnip to people. It's unbelievable. Nick Ashew on the fan. I'm also on Twitter, at Nick Ashew. You can catch us on the Odyssey app as well. Make sure you check that out. If you don't have it, download the Odyssey app. So the Washington football team added a little depth on their special teams when they signed Eddie Pinheiro to just the practice squad. That's it. Just the practice squad right now. But that sent waves. And that got attention. Because what Ron Rivera said all preseason was that Dustin Hopkins was his guy. He's my guy. He's going to be out there. He's our kicker. They didn't bring anybody in to compete with Hopkins, which I thought was a big mistake. They needed to have somebody else in there to see how Hopkins responded to it. Would he be better? Would he be more focused with a little bit of competition? Or would it be a situation where he continues to regress and continues to erode as a kicker and you realize it's time for us to go after somebody else. It's time for us to make a change at kicker. Because you don't care about kickers until you need them to win a game for you. Right? Everybody makes fun of kickers. And then they're needed. The issue is, and I understand the conversation, and some of this is true. There is a truth to this. That there are issues of chemistry with a new long snapper in Cameron Cheeseman. You expect them to take a little bit of time. Okay, fine. The problem is is that Dustin Hopkins' struggles that he had in the preseason weren't just in the preseason. All right, Cameron Cheeseman's harder snap on the ball, eventually Tressway will get used to it. I I get that. Reps and chemistry is important. Dustin Hopkins last year had the worst year of his career. He was just 79% on field goals in 2020. He missed some extra points on top of that. Dustin Hopkins used to be Mr. Automatic. Remember that early on? I mean, this was like, he's really been the most consistent name that we've had at the kicker position in Washington in a very long time. And it's nice because you need that consistency. As much as everybody likes to make fun of kickers, when you're down two with 10 seconds left and you need a 45-yard field goal to win it, suddenly everybody cares about the kicker. Ron Rivera needed to bring in competition, but at least now he's made a point. He's made a statement, and he said, okay, Eddie Pinheiro's at least going to come in here be part of the practice squad, and it's somebody that you have within your organization now that if Dustin Hopkins, week one, week two, I bet you they give him two weeks to struggle. Two weeks. And after that, they're going to bring Pinier up, and they're going to get rid of Hopkins, and that's going to be it. Because as the organization has moved more forward over the last couple of years now, we've seen Ron Rivera. It's all his guys. I mean, 
it's pretty much the Panthers on the entire coaching staff in front office. It's just Carolina North for them. So Ron Rivera likes to bring in both players and coaches, front office personnel. It's people that he trusts. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're looking to make a change and you're looking to grow an organization and you're looking to completely turn it around, one of the things you're going to do is bring in people that you know are going to buy into your way of doing things. That doesn't mean that they're yes-men. Ron Rivera is not the type of guy, by all accounts, to just want to surround himself with yes-men. He's smart and understands, I need people that I can trust that are on the same page as me, but we may not have the same ideas to get down to the destination that we have. And that's okay. In fact, that's good. You should have differing opinions. I've had plenty of bosses before that I've told I don't like the decision you're making for whatever it is. Content for a show. I've had it plenty of times. But it doesn't mean that we don't still have the same idea, the same goals. It's just how you're reaching those goals that people sometimes don't always agree with. But this is now a situation where it's clear Ron Rivera has made a point, And he said, get your S together, Hopkins, or we're going to bring somebody else in here. And that's important because you have an opportunity as you go into this schedule. And there's big tests for the Washington defense early which also could mean really close games. When you talk about all these quarterbacks like Herbert and Allen and Matt Ryan and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, all of them before Halloween and, you know, divisional game with the Giants and Daniel Jones, who loves to just beat up on Washington, there is a very good chance that these games, if you're lucky, obviously, are close because you're playing good teams. You're playing high-powered offenses. You're playing good quarterbacks. So you're going to need a kicker that you can count on for those because it may come down to a 50-yard field goal or it may come down to a mixed, missed extra point earlier. You can't have that. Those little things are going to have to be clipped off very quickly. Those types of mistakes, those types of issues. So the fact that they're thinking about it, the fact that it's clearly a point of emphasis, I mean, that's a good thing. I will say this, though. I wish the NFL had a better developmental system. Like you bring in, especially with kickers. I mean, think about it, honestly. We know a lot of times kickers can just go undrafted and they sign with teams and they're on practice squads and they're in and out and they're for two years and then they finally get their opportunity. My cousin was a kicker at UVA. Pretty good kicker. He was the second, he was the number two kicker in the entire country when he went to UVA. But he didn't get drafted. It doesn't mean he doesn't still have an opportunity down the road, but obviously even on a bigger standpoint from, from kickers, but I mean quarterbacks, there's so many different positions out there. You know, and I looked at the cuts that Washington made and then the moves that they made to keep people, like a Samus Reyes, who you were worried another team was going to pick up if you cut him and you didn't bring him in, keep him on the active roster, snatch him off the practice squad. All of that stuff, it needs to be changed in the NFL. They need to have a minor league system. I understand that it's not easy. The NFL needs to do something to allow organizations to have more opportunity to develop guys that maybe have some potential but need to just be less of a raw player. I mean, how often do we see former basketball players get opportunities at tight end? Jai Lewis, who played at George Mason when they went to the Final Four, got a tryout at tight end with the Giants. He ended up going playing overseas, I think, in Israel. But like, he'd never played football at all. Samus Reyes hadn't played football at all. But now they've got to put Reyes on the active roster. Now he's probably going to be 
either inactive on game days or the third tight end and not see the field much. They like his blocking, and he's got to learn how to run routes better and just understand being... He's never played football before. He's a basketball player. But the NFL does itself an, a, a disservice to not give teams more opportunities. And maybe it's quarterback. I would like to see Taylor Heineke playing for their minor league team. If, the, if there was a Washington football team minor league team, and you could every week have Taylor Heineke actually out there playing... That would be better in terms of his development than getting second team and, and, and scout team reps or any of that. Like, it's not going to be the same in terms of helping you grow as a player. Now, I understand. There's obviously hoops and obstacles here in terms of when do they play. Can a player be called up if he's already played for his minor league team? What if he gets hurt? It's football. I, I know there's no perfect system to this. So, bare minimum, expanding these practice squads to, like, 30 guys would be smart. It would make sense, especially now you've got an extra game. It's 17 games. And I'm telling you this, you know this is going to eventually be an 18-game schedule, right? 17 games is the way to kind of sneak it in there because players didn't want 18. So you get 17 in there first. They're not going to have an uneven number amount of games. I'm just telling you. It eventually will lead to 18 games. And 18 games means the potential for more players to get hurt, needing more depth. For one, you should have full 53-man rosters available to you on game day. Inactives is stupid. Why are we doing this? What's the point? I don't understand the inactives. It's stupid. Just let everybody be on the active roster that week that you want. That's on your 53-man roster. Now, they do let you call up guys from the practice squad the day of a game. That's new. But that started because of COVID. They did that last year because there was like, there's probably guys in and out. Like, we're going to have issues. And it was the right move. But they need to continue to do this. They need to continue to grow their system and allow teams to have an opportunity to get better. Because we've seen this so often, not just in the NFL, but obviously in every pro sport, but clearly in the NFL it makes a lot of sense where you can have players that have their sprinkles of talent there, right? But you want to work on some of their fundamentals and put them in a, in a position where they can and learn within the same system, the same organization, the same coaching staff, and not have these worries about guys being picked up off practice squads to go to other teams and they're getting moved around. It's, it's just stupid. Josh Rosen, if Josh Rosen, I'm telling you, if Josh Rosen could find a stable situation for him, that's it, just a stable situation, he could still be a good quarterback in this league. He's still only 24 years old, but he goes to the Cardinals. They were a mess, and then they fired everybody after one year. A new coach comes in wants a new quarterback, his own guy for his system. Okay, so Rosen goes to Miami. Miami was a dumpster fire still then at that point, so then they get rid of him, and then he's jumping around on practice squads in Tampa and then San Francisco and now with the Falcons, and it's like, if this guy could just stay in an organization as a quarterback, you have that opportunity. I wanted Washington to go after him. I mean, his situation's unique, obviously. It's, it's a very extreme situation, but it's also why... Situation matters more than how high you're drafted. And smart players know that. Who cares? I understand you may lose a little bit of money on your rookie contract because you're slotted in at the 15th highest rank versus like the 7th highest contract. Who cares? Like Mac Jones going to going to the Patriots was perfect for him. He knows it. Yeah, would he maybe like to have been drafted at a top, you know, top three pick? You make more money, but so what? If you're not good enough to get to your second contract in the NFL, who gives a damn what you made on your rookie contract because you're not playing anymore? It was a bad situation. Now, it's not always perfect. It's not like, well, just because you go to this system, this organization, this team, that you're automatically going to be better. It's, it's, 
It's not perfect, but situation does matter. And teams that have a good development situation would then be just better organizations. And it would allow for more talent in the NFL. Really, if we could develop more quarterback talent that maybe took a couple years, guys are a little raw, played in a smaller conference, they need some time, but could develop into a starting quarterback in the NFL, it'd be good. The NFL benefits from better quarterback play. If you're going to be a league that is such an emphasis on one position, then you better allow teams as many opportunities as you can have to develop some of that talent too. I don't Look, I don't know what the perfect system would be. I don't think there is a perfect system, but I'd like to see something. I would like to see the NFL do something that allows teams to give younger players more of an opportunity without worrying about losing them or having to put them on the active roster but they're not really playing. That type of stuff is a big deal. And I really, really wish, really wish that they would find a way to do that. And maybe this is the inspiration, right? This is where they figure out, okay, okay, this is, this is what we'll do. Expand the practice squads again and, and keep going from there. Because you keep adding games, guys are going to want more jobs in return. Because that's jobs. Like that, that helps get guys at least in the door. So, uh, I'm at Nick Ashew on Twitter. What can't go wrong for Washington if they want to repeat as division champs? I'll tell you what that is next. Nick Ashew on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm Nick Ashew on the fan. We're also on the Odyssey app. There are certain things that you know with this Washington organization as we just finally get a few days away from the opener. By the way, it's it does feel longer. I, I don't know why. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. And they were like, oh, it should start on you know Labor Day. Let's just make the NFL start that. No, that's for college football. 
the issue that I have is to not even to have cuts and the roster is all done, and we're basically sitting here for two weeks with nothing going on. Is just it's just this long buildup that's it just we need to shorten it somehow. I don't know. Maybe they start the preseason a week later. Do you really need this gap if you're the NFL between? The last preseason game where it's now three, and then the regular season opener. It's just it just feels too long. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not that way for everybody. It just it feels like it's taken forever this year to finally get to the point where we're actually in week one of the NFL season. But there are certain things that just cannot go wrong for this team, and it starts this Sunday against the Chargers. And then obviously, as you're moving forward, these trends have to continue. The biggest thing for Washington that cannot go wrong is Ryan Fitzpatrick making too many mistakes. He cannot make mistakes. No, some he has to. But let's be honest with ourselves. There's a limit to this, right? Like, he is the most important player on this team. He's not the most talented, but you understand what I mean. He is the most important player. When you play the quarterback position, you have got to be able to maintain focus, keep the offense moving forward, and don't put your defense in a position where they're dealing with shorter fields, where they're going out there after they just got a three and out, and then they're right back out there on the field. They can't even catch their breath because you just threw a pick. He's going to throw interceptions this year. We, we all know that. We, I, I think it's, it's been accepted, but there have to be, it has to be like a three-to-one situation where it's three good things to one bad thing, at least. Bare minimum. Too many extra possessions from opponents, especially early on with some of those offenses they're going to see, that's going to kill them. It's going to set them back. It's going to put them in really, really difficult positions. And plus, on top of that, you also don't want to play from behind. You don't want to get down early to Matt Ryan. You don't want to get down early to Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. And that's the type of risk that you run if you're going out and Fitzpatrick fumbles once and they lose it and then he throws an interception two drives later and... You're down 17-3, to and it's like, what what just happened? That's the type of stuff they've got to work on. I mean, we know Ryan Fitzpatrick has thrown interceptions before. It's no secret. 23 picks in 2011. I know that was a long time ago, and he's certainly a better quarterback in terms of just better understanding what not to do and what to do than that point. But, I mean, he had 12 in just eight games in 2018. He's had nine years. Ryan Fitzpatrick has had nine years with double-digit interceptions. So you're going to get some of those mistakes. You can overlook those, especially if in turn he's creating opportunities for you to generate plays. Because that's the one thing Fitzpatrick's not afraid of. He's going to make some of those throws where you go, damn, how did he get that there? But then he's also going to make throws where you go, damn, why would he do that? I mean, quarterback has been an issue since Kirk Cousins left. As much as we hated the contract conversation, Kirk Cousins' contract just said over and over and over and over again. But... He was the most stability that Washington has had at quarterback since, I mean, who? I mean, really? Are we going to go Theismann for a while? I mean, how far back do we have to go for that? Jason Campbell? I mean, Campbell had a few years. Like, they really haven't had, it's the, it has been a revolving door. It's, the, it's Washington, it's the Browns. Teams that just have a different quarterback every year. I mean, you had seven play a few. Mark, Mark Sanchez! was a quarterback for this team for one game. Mark Sanchez. That's how bad it's been. Kirk Cousins at least did bring some stability there. But you have a chance now to upgrade with big plays. Your big play chances now, the odds of that happening are far higher with Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback. They were actually 28th in yards per attempt last year. 
And a lot of that was Alex Smith doing the dinking and dunking. Now, he did take more risks. I still maintain he took those risks because he said, I'm not even supposed to be back out on this field. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw this thing in there and see what happens. He still was still Alex Smith most of the time and very cautious in the way that he played. But you did see moments where he was taking bigger risks than he would have in the past. But you also do risk having bigger mistakes from Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's just the reality of this quarterback situation. So he has got to be in a position where he's making more positives than negatives and not putting their defense in a constant time of pressure. They can't always be running back out there on the field because you just you turn the ball over. They're going to be frustrating moments. But they also have to make sure that they spread the ball around. You can't allow yourself as an offense to just zero in on Terry McLaurin the entire time. And that's why Curtis Samuel's injury right now is so important. It's the most important thing around this team. Because if he's out there, even in a a limited capacity, he's still, the defense has to respect his talent. And they have to respect his ability to do a lot of things on the field. They're going to be really versatile as an offense with Curtis Samuel out there, which then allows him to spread the ball out to other guys. You cannot have J.D. McKissick to be your third best receiver this year. You just can't. He's great. He's one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL. But I don't want him being the third best receiver on this team. That's essentially what he was last year. Obviously, Curtis Samuel, massively important. But also Adam Humphreys and what he can do and his chemistry that he has with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's helpful. So there's an opportunity there to make sure that Fitzpatrick knows I can get him the ball too. That's going to allow Terry McLaurin to get open because people are going to realize I'm not just zeroing in on McLaurin the whole time. I mean, Deami Brown this is a third-round rookie that has some serious potential. Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas are still really going to be in demand, and they're going, to, they're going to take a lot of the attention from defenses. They're going to be up on the whiteboard. You're going to know those names are going to be up there every single week, especially Terry McLaurin. Humphreys, Brown, they'll probably get some one-on-one opportunities, and that gives you a chance to really spread the ball around early with this offense. Get everybody involved, especially if you're showing that the first couple weeks of the season, then that's the game film that other teams have, and they realize, oh, they're not just trying to force it into McLaurin. They're not just handing the ball off to Antonio Gibson the entire time. They're getting everybody involved. And Curtis Samuel out there, even if it's 20% of the snaps on Sunday, I'll take it. I'm fine with them being cautious. But to have him out there, at least in a limited capacity, is going to be so important for this team, especially at the beginning of the season, because you're setting standards. You're setting habits that you want to be the standard for the rest of the season. And it's really important. Then, of course, really the big thing for them is they just can't have a rash of injuries. Now, you can't totally control injuries, right? We know that. It's just the way that this thing works. It's football. Guys get hurt. But knock on wood, they've been really pretty healthy, other than Curtis Samuel is the big one, in terms of preseason and training camp. They got a whole new training staff, new doctors. Everything's changed there. And the fact that that change wasn't made sooner, mind-blowing to me. I mean, remember the years where it felt like somebody had a voodoo doll and they were just stabbing every single player in various body parts and creating injuries for them? That's what it felt like. You can't totally... Like, trying to control injuries completely is like trying to get your dog to listen to you. Occasionally, my dog just goes, I'm not going to listen to you now. I got a tennis ball in my mouth and there's no rules. The rules are out the window. But you try to do your best to get your dog to listen. Hey, don't jump on the couch. You're muddy. Hey, stop begging for food. Hey, get out of the kitchen. Hey, don't lick your butt. That's right. You start with that. You try the best to do as much as you can with it. And that's where Washington really has to be is managing those injuries. And if it means Curtis Samuel 
taking a little more time to come back and actually be healthy, then I'm okay with that. Because you do have to have the big picture in mind with it. But we can't have what happened at the end of Jay Gruden's time. I mean, there was a point where Kirk Cousins met his center in the huddle. Like, hey, nice to meet you. I haven't seen you yet. Oh, you're going to snap me the ball. Okay. That's how bad it got. Again, Mark Sanchez was a quarterback for a game for this team. That's how bad the injuries were. Josh Johnson hadn't started a game since 2011. It was like seven years, eight years, whatever it was at the time. Hadn't started a game, and he's out there starting for them by the end. What? So we can't have any of that again. Think big picture with injuries, and it, it seems to be that that's what they're doing. Speaking of Curtis Samuel, we got an update on him today. Here from Ron Rivera and Curtis Samuel himself next. Nick Ashew on the fan. Nick Ashew on the fan and the Odyssey app. Tech Talk is after this. That was a hell of a game, Virginia Tech and North Carolina. I thought Sam Howell was going to be a lot better. I'll tell you that. I saw him as a Heisman candidate, and then that went away very, very quickly. So Curtis Samuel was in individual drills today and out practicing with the team from what we could see. You're only going to get so much information. We need to temper our expectations with him early. I, I would not expect to see him out there full speed in practice, and I would not expect to see him out there with a full workload on Sunday. But to have him out there at all is what's going to matter. This is the biggest thing, the biggest question mark, the biggest story right now surrounding this team is what is his health going to be? What is he going to be on Sunday at FedEx Field when the Chargers come to town and they need every offensive weapon that they can have against that team? This was Curtis Samuel after practice today talking to the media about his progress. It's definitely been a tough road, you know. I wish I was out there from the start of camp, you know, but a little setback. Uh, so my main goal was just to focus on rehabbing, just all to the side, just trying to get better each and every day. You know, um, my mindset, my goal is when I'm out there, I want to stay out there. I don't want to come back and, you know, have things lingering through the season. It's a long season. Added an extra game. Um, so, you know, I'm just on the side, just working, um, trying to get better each and every day and come back um, right and ready for the team. We've learned more and more how important recovery is not just for injuries, but also in preventing injuries. I understand sometimes they can get taken to extremes, and people make fun of guys sitting out NBA games when they're healthy in the middle of the season, Kawhi Leonard and his rest days and all that. And yes, Kawhi Leonard has taken it to an extreme. There's no question. But we also understand now more than ever that you can be hurt and you can be injured, and there is a difference, and it needs to be treated differently. Playing through a little bit of pain because you're sore, well, that's one thing. But actually nursing an injury that has the potential to linger all season for you and basically make it a wasted season for you, that's something that needs to be taken a little more seriously. And that's what Washington's doing. Now, it's frustrating that this is obviously the predicament that everybody's in, where he's trying to figure out how much he can play, got to make sure he's thinking big picture, which what he said there was smart. That's the right approach. He looks at this and says, you know what? I got to look at the 17-game season coming ahead here. And I've had to nurse this thing throughout this entire uh, off-season and preseason and OTAs, all of that, that if he can only play 15, 20 snaps even on Sunday, but it gets him out there and he feels good, and it, it, bare minimum makes him a decoy against the Chargers, I'll take that. So temper your expectations early with Curtis Samuel because once he's out there, he still needs to develop a little more chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hasn't been practicing with him enough. The offense 
just needs more of that time to all work together. It's 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 going to be one of those things where Curtis Samuel may have like three receptions for 25 yards in the first two games, and you're going, where is this guy? Well, that's that's what it is. He may not put up big numbers. He may totally feel great. We, we won't know for sure how he's going to feel until later in the week and where his progress is because they're off tomorrow. So does he feel sore? Does it feel like it's acting up? Does he feel good, refreshed? Is he back out there in a full capacity on Wednesday? Where are we Thursday? Every day, it's going to be more and more about Curtis Samuel and whether or not he can play. I'll tell you this, it's a whole lot better having this be a conversation, though, about just the injury of a new player that you added that's really important to a team that you know has division title aspirations than what we've dealt with leading up to seasons in the past. Kirk Cousins' contract, the franchise tag, RG3, quarterback battles, coaches on the hot seat, the owner getting involved. Name change. Go down the list. It's just real football stuff. It's nice. And when you have Ron Rivera now in charge and clearly setting a precedent for the way things are handled, it makes it a whole lot better. This was Ron Rivera on Curtis Samuel. How was Curtis today? thought Curtis looked good. Moved around well. You know, we, uh, we had a limited amount of plays for him uh, to get him out there, specifically see where he is. You know, got a little bit more time, so we didn't want to go out and overwork him and you know, risk uh, him tightening up or anything like that. But we thought the things that we asked him to do, he looked pretty good. And that's that's the way that this has to be approached. It's why I said one of the big things that can't go wrong for this team this year is a rash of injuries. And when you have the potential for an injury that could really impact your team on either side of the ball, you handle it this way. This is the right way to do it. But the key is that he's back out there. He's back out there, but they're not pushing him too hard because groin injuries hamstring injuries, all this soft tissue stuff, man, that is, that's the type of injury, that's the type of stuff that can linger all season long. Man, I remember Santana Moss years ago towards the end of his career, he had hamstring issues, and it would just linger and linger and linger with him. And even late in his career, he was still, it was still about speed. I mean, the guy could go back and return punts like his last year. He was still, I mean, but he's a speed guy. It's important. So we need to see more from Curtis Samuel this week to know that they're going to be in a good position with him on Sunday, but also just to get out there and get those reps with Fitzpatrick without aggravating the injury again. And it seems, knock on wood, they've got a training staff here that's a lot smarter. That seems to be figuring this out better. Because you had guys in the past with his last training staff where everybody's getting hurt in preseason and training camp. And you're going, we're going to not have a roster by week one of the season. What the hell is going on? And then it just gets worse as the season goes on. And then guys are like, well, I don't even want to play. Right? It's like, you know, the team's 3-9, and nine and well, the season's over, so I'm just going to call it a season. I'm done. See ya. Like, hell, I mean, that's why Trent Williams wanted to leave. It was the training staff. That was a big problem. Wish you could have come back. Everybody's new now. Come on, Trent. Should have resigned. But Terry McLaurin's success is going to depend so much on Curtis Samuel, too. It's why he's, I mean, that's why he's so massively important to them. He's not going to be their leading receiver. He's not going to be their best player on offense, but he's going to do a lot. And he's going to command attention from defenses week in and week out. And by doing that, it takes some of that attention away from Terry McLaurin. And finally, finally, maybe we'll see him not be called an underrated receiver, but just a rated receiver. We'll rate him properly for a change. Can we rate him properly? That's what I'd like. Four different quarterbacks last year for Terry McLaurin. That's not consistency at all. Also, really nobody else that the defense has cared about as much as you. Logan Thomas for a little while, sure, but 
I mean, people were far more worried about Terry McLaurin than they were Logan Thomas. I'm just telling you. J.D. McKissick was your third leading receiver last year. Can't have that again. This is, this is an opportunity for a big, big jump in Terry McLaurin's production and also his recognition. I like seeing guys on this team get recognized nationally. I do. Because it shows that there is a level of respect around this team and this organization and the way that it's run. I like that. So to see Terry McLaurin jump from 58 to 87 receptions last year, it's going to be probably an even bigger jump this year. Especially now with other receivers out there on the field that defenses say, hey, we probably need to pay attention to him too. Because Curtis Samuel, you can run all kinds of gadgets plays with him too. You can line him up in the backfield, line him up in the slot, put him on the outside, run an end around with him, or whatever. Just have him rush the ball. Little bubble screens that turn into some. I mean, he's a, he is a player that can put up big numbers for them without it being something that's necessarily, like, he doesn't put up Pro Bowl numbers, but he's going to do enough where defenses are going to focus on him. And it gives Terry McLaurin a real opportunity to finally just build up. And it gives us that more balanced attack I'm talking about with them. It's, it's so important that they have that. Now, there's probably a chance that Terry McLaurin does not have 134 targets again this year. It, the number might go lower. But that's because Samuel's going to be out there. They'll both probably have over 100. You know, Adam Humphreys will get you 55, 60 maybe if he's healthy. I mean, think about last year. So Terry McLaurin had 134 targets last year. The only Washington wideout with 100 or more targets. The next closest receiver was Cam Sims at 48. 48. Think about that. Terry McLaurin gets 134 targets, and Cam Sims is number two at 48. And then after that, it was Steven Sims at 37. I mean, it's mind-blowing. They have to be more balanced this year because we know where they are defensively. We know their strength. We know that the defensive line, their pass rush, their aggression, their ability to generate turnovers, rip the ball out of guys' hands, big hits, whatever you, however you want to dictate it, and, and say that's the type of stuff we know we're going to get. The question mark is on the offensive side of the ball. There are, there are much better players there, but it's got to be balanced. And if they bring Curtis Samuel along slowly enough, and I like the mindset. It sounds like Ron Rivera, Curtis Samuel on the same page. I like that. That's what we need to hear. But they're going to need him out there week one, and they're going to need him to be healthy. So if it's a little less at the beginning, and he's only playing, let's say, 37% of their snaps. I don't know. I'm throwing out arbitrary numbers. I don't know what it's going to be yet. That's the type of stuff that will start to increase and grow. And it's going to make this offense better. It's going to make this team better. And it's going to put them in a better position down the road too because as you develop more of that chemistry, you'll see things click later in the year. That's going to be one of the big things is watching this team click and and grow and build on what they've done because teams do this all the time where you add wrinkles to the playbook. You can't run the same exact playbook week one that you do week 16. It just can't happen. You've got to add more in there. There's film on you. Teams figure out some of your habits. You know what works, what doesn't work. You can go back and try something again that didn't work. But all that stuff, you have that ability with a more balanced offensive attack now. And somebody that's as versatile as anyone could be at the receiver spot in Curtis Samuel. All of that stuff is a recipe for success for this team. But I like their mindset and I like what they're doing in terms of bringing him along. As frustrating as it may be, I get it. We're all frustrated. It's the reason why this is all anybody cares about right now is Curtis Samuel every single day. It's going to be how was he at practice? What did he do? And now you can, the media can only go in and see some of it. 
and then the rest of the practice is closed to the media. So you're only going to see individual drills. You're not going to see them running plays. None of that. You're not in there for that. So we're only going to probably get so much information, and you'll probably continue to see, other than on the injury report, once those start to show up, you only get so much from Ron Rivera. And that's fine. I am okay with Ron Rivera giving you just enough. He doesn't give anything that's going to allow the other team to know what's going on. And you know what? He would be smart to make you think, especially the Chargers, think that Curtis Samuel is not going to play this week, and then he ends up playing. Now, if they're smart, they'll still prepare for him, but that's just that adds another wrinkle. It just gives you at least even the tiniest little competitive advantage. That's Bill Belichick's M.O. I'm going to take every tiny little competitive advantage that I can have. Any little detail, whatever I can do, that's going to give me even the tiniest of edges over this opponent we have on Sunday, I'm going to take that. It's better than Jay Gruden giving you everything. Well, I don't know. Everybody's out here. Nobody earned a spot today. Everybody's terrible. I mean, Jay Gruden just by the end was like, I'm just, I I hate everyone and everything. And I'm just going to let you know that all of this is horrible. I mean, it's entertaining, but you know what I'd rather have? A winning football team. And I like what Ron Rivera is doing. All right, we're going to wrap things up next. Nick Ashew on The Fan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I got a tweet from DC High Life who was talking earlier about how I'd love to see the NFL come up with some sort of minor league system, more development for younger players, for guys that have a chance down the road, but they're just not ready yet. A better system. You can tweet me at Nick Ashy, by the way. He suggests the XFL. I, I actually thought about that before. The problem is, is that the NFL's got to want to like buy them. And now the Rock has it as a separate business. And I don't think he's gonna. Or maybe he sell it to the NFL. I don't know how they or they could come up with. Maybe there'd be some sort of affiliation between the two. I don't know what the whole contract negotiations situation would look like with that. But I mean, it would make sense. People love football in this country, and if you had look, people were watching the XFL. Yeah, the numbers started to go down a little bit, but I understand some of it's just a curiosity. But if you could develop some consistency there, people will watch it. But it feels, it would actually feel more important to watch those games. Let's say the D.C. Defenders were the minor league team for the Washington football team. Now, I get it. There's a million things we could discuss here. Is it, you know, when do they play? Uh, Can players get called up from them if they've already played a game on a Friday and they need them on a Sunday? Let's put all that stuff aside for right now. Let's just think of it from a consumer standpoint. From you, a fan. If the D.C. Defenders were the minor league team for the Washington football team and Taylor Heineke was starting a quarterback for them, and you know what we saw what Taylor Heineke did, and they sent him down to develop him, give him an opportunity. He played in that playoff game. That was great, but he's not starting here, so maybe he's seen as somebody they can go and put him down there to develop over time. You'd be interested because you'd want to see how he would be. You'd want to see how he would play. And you could do some of the minor league gimmicks. They do minor league baseball. That's fine. There's more interest there because it's a potential player that could be called up to your team, to the Washington football team, to the NFL at some point. There's validity to that. It would, it would, it would, it would make you feel like it's more than just watching random teams that are playing minor league football, but it's not 
really minor league football. You know what I mean? Like you call it minor league football when you watch it, but in reality, it, it, they're like these guys. Yes, they are working to hopefully get some game tape and maybe get noticed. And it's happened where they obviously when the XFL shut down second time, there were some players that got NFL contracts. Great, but it's a little bit different when it's that. It's just hey, look at me, come see me, versus you're actually part of an organization and you have a chance to get called up and be a part of that. It would make sense. Again, I know there's a ton of logistics with it, and I'm not going to sit here and try to balance all that out right now. But there's a lot of opportunities there. And it would benefit the NFL to have guys like Samus Reyes down there playing consistent games, not just practicing. Because he's not going to see the field much this year, if at all. He's going to probably be inactive, which is also stupid. Inactives are dumb. Why don't we just have the full 53-man roster? I don't know. I don't get this. It just, it, it just seems, it's like making up a rule to make up a rule. Why do we do this? But that's, that's something that would really benefit the NFL. You know, and look, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you could use a couple of running backs right now. So if they had a minor league team, they'd call some guys up. They're working out guys now. They already lost J.K. Dobbins to a torn ACL. Now Justice Hill just tore his Achilles. I mean, they're cursed. The Ravens are cursed. By the way, Tyson Williams, pick him up in fantasy if he's on your waiver wire. I'm telling you, this guy is going to step into a much bigger role because it's Gus Edwards and, like, nobody else. They worked out Le'Veon Bell today. All right. I mean, Le'Veon Bell hasn't been relevant since he was with the Steelers. So there's going to be an opportunity for a guy like Tyson Williams, who is an undrafted guy. I mean, the Ravens have lost two running backs to season-ending injuries. That is mind-blowing. And so much of their offense, too, is based on running the football. If we wanted to see, everybody wants to see Lamar Jackson develop as a passer. Well, now it's going to be harder. Because now, when you're running the football, at times you're probably going to need Lamar Jackson to do what he does best. Because you've got Gus Edwards and who knows who else they signed, and maybe Tyson Williams, an undrafted running back, and then what? So, their offense is predicated on being a really good running team. They need that. So, it's... The Ravens, to me, are, are, are a fascinating team where they are because there's a lot of hype around them, but the issues they've now had and the fact that we still need to see how much Lamar Jackson can grow from his rookie year to the first year as a starter. We saw, oh, he can throw the football. Look how hard he's worked. This is, and he was an MVP. But then last year, you kind of saw a little regression. Teams were starting to understand where his weaknesses were. You find holes in young players' games, and that's what you do is you, 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 you poke those holes you go after it, and then good players find ways to fix that. They evolve. They get better. So where is Lamar Jackson going to be moving forward? He's probably going to be running the football more this year now because, you know, Ravens have no running backs. That's crazy. But they're still well-coached, and they're still a good team. So, man, well, this was fun. Uh, thank you to Pete Medhurst for jumping on with me. It's always uh, after a long weekend doing these shows. It's always like... Got to clear the cobwebs out of your head a little bit. If you're still stuck in traffic on the Bay Bridge, I apologize. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Nick Ashew, if you want. Uh, we got Tech Talk coming up next right here on 106.7 The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.